welcome once again to Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And we are on to the second episode of Series 2 of Absolutely Fabulous, or Abfab, as it's known to its friends. And uh, we are going to be uh, enjoying that in just a few minutes. We do have a topic we're going to talk about today, but we also have a pre-topic, which I thought would be fun for us to talk about, considering it is so relevant to the things that we have been watching over the course of this, which is, of course, the movie of Dune. <laughs> ah, yes, of course. Well, you know, there's... It's, there's, it's relevant Dune, in that it is completely unrelated to any of these things. Well, Dune has those dream sequences, you know, oh, and, okay. and, uh, and things like that. And so, like, I think that's the case also. You know, I mean, um, I mean, clearly it's about family. Uh-huh, okay, And, yep. uh, and you know, um, so clearly, you know... Some powerful women. Start, yeah. Right. Safi is going to start riding a sandworm any day now. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Uh, and the uh, mother is the, the reverend mother. Yes. Uh. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the spice must flow. You know, I mean, it's, it's not spice. It's the, the, the Bali. Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally buy that. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of correspondences. I, I sit corrected. Um, have you seen I, it yet? I have to laugh. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I watched it from home. Um, oh, all right. Uh, on Friday, I think, yeah. And uh, I, I had to laugh because um, uh, this has been going on. I read this on Facebook, but it was it was via a screenshot via Twitter um, where somebody said, explain Dune in one sentence to the response was, in a move so unsurprising, there is literally an eons-old galactic prophecy about it. Powerful horny men are unable to peacefully share a planet made of cocaine. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that pretty much uh, covers a, a great deal of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, what I, I, I quite, quote, quite liked it. What, what I thought you were going to quote was uh, our, our friend uh, Jordan Rosa tweeted out that... Uh, before you watch Dune, you have to watch the prequel, and then he posted a picture of Spice World, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> There's another okay, AbFab connection. Uh, what did funny. you think of it? Um, I liked it. I, it was. I, I felt like, um, you know, it had it had its trippiness, but was not incoherent like the Lynch version was, and um, and nor was it the the somnambulant snooze fest that was the sci-fi channel version mm-hmm. I, I thought it was um i thought it struck a good balance i i do wonder and i've seen a couple of people that didn't know dune or whatever that did still find it rather um convoluted in places and that's because well yeah the, the book is and and you know you make do with what sort of um uh what sort of exposition you have and you you know you have it your different ways of explaining the different bits and pieces, you know, stuff that's Paul, Paul is listening to on, on, you know, a book on tape, essentially on certain things or whatever. And you, you, you make do, but, but I felt like that was kept to a minimum. And I feel like the performances were pretty strong. And, you know, that was the one thing where, where for all of, uh, you know, I, I say the Lynch version is a, a glorious mess, uh, but you know, the acting was always, uh, enjoyable even if there was scenery chewing, you know, Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. was doing his best Brian Blessed impersonation, I think. And, um, <laughs> And you know, poor Sting, but um, mm-hmm. but I, I I liked most of the acting on this one, except um, I'm sad to say Rebecca Ferguson underwhelmed um, for me as uh, as Jessica. But uh, other than that, I, I and I mean, it wasn't like oh my god, horrible, drag the movie down or whatever. But uh, that that was the one bit that I was like, you know, um, I, I I thought everybody else was uh, was pretty decent across the board, um, mm-hmm. and and I thought. Uh, I thought the cinematography is beautiful. The um, uh, the the different choices of how they rendered things was uh, was pretty good overall. Um, you know, I, I liked. Uh, um, you know, I was curious to see how Stellan Skarsgård's uh, Baron was. I kind of liked that, and and we get more of Raban in this one. You know, so casting um, again, uh, Bautista is a good cast for that. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both uh, Momoa and um, and Lord uh, Josh Brolin, um, that was a, a fantastic gurney. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, o- overall, I, I thought it worked pretty well. Um, uh, Javier Bardem as uh, as Stilgar. Uh, yeah, just um, I, I was I was pretty happy with it overall. I'm trying to remember if there were some bits that I was like, well, yeah, I don't know, but but um, 
I, I saw a bunch of people debating online that they think it should have ended when they basically ended up in the desert as opposed to ending with, uh, with the fight between uh, Paul and Janus. And, mm-hmm. um, and actually, no, I, I can see why you would want to end it there, but um, actually I kind of like the way they did because they spent a lot of time building up uh, and maybe maybe not enough in some ways, but the the basic idea that in some ways that the path that he's set on that this is what um, ends up being the point of no return from him because because he's killed somebody because he has to kind of start really embracing the destiny of who he is um, and and step up for that. Um, but, but also in the book, I remember there's the ambiguity which we kind of get but not quite. That you know, is he going to die in here? Is he you know? There's different possibilities basically for this, um, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that quite comes a, across, um, so maybe a little bit out of his model, but, but in a way, I actually think that that works as the right place to do it. Um, and I'm okay with that, especially considering if there's so much to cover uh, for part two that, you know, because um, there is still a lot of crap they have left to cover, and I'm sure they will. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think uh, they have to get him to a place of safety, I think, for the the thing to work I, I can't imagine them leaving the him on a true cliffhanger but um yeah no, i can I imagine that but but um i can imagine that but there's like a if they do you you lose it's interesting how little of the arc you have in in that mm-hmm. uh, that bit I, i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm okay with that uh, yeah with the way it was um i think i generally agree with you i i'm still trying to decide how i feel about uh jessica in this one i i thought that uh, some, some parts of it work and some parts of it, she feels, she seems a lot more vulnerable than I would like her to seem because yes, she's agreed. trained to be in control of every situation and y- you see her being a lot more emotional than I think she probably should be. I mean, um, they gave her the litany against fear the entire time. That was, uh, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was a strange choice, but, uh, whatever um it's hard for me to imagine how people got the emotional through line of some of this stuff which is a little bit surprising like um paul's reactions at some point are are just kind of (laughs) weird like his whole you've made me a freak thing uh is is not how i remember it from the book i may have to go back and check but i remember him being um like suddenly when they get to the desert he's the the prescience starts and he becomes, he does become distant from her, but it's not like an angry sort of thing or it's not like a, how can I put it? It, it, He's not lashing out. It's just that suddenly he realizes what's going on and he kind of becomes grim. Um, I mean, I'm okay with him having a little bit of a, you know, a Gethsemane moment, I guess the, uh, you know, um, the, the little bit of the refuse of the call to adventure type of thing or whatever, as long as it's it's short. And I mean, it was, you know, we, we weren't subject to more of it than just that scene. So mm-hmm. uh, so I'm okay with that as it is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how anybody could understand what's going on with Dr. Yui. Yeah. Um, uh, no uh, well, spoilers, but I mean, like, that character is not uh, very well explained, I think, for people who don't know what his deal is. I mean, they, they at least, it, well, it's interesting, all right. So at least he does say that, you know, they had my, my, my wife and I had to do this. But, yeah, they don't deal with the imperial conditioning bit. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it's funny, both for him and the Mentats, you know, um, it, how much do we, I, I don't even remember, was the Butlerian Jihad uh, referenced in it at all? No, um, not that yeah, that, that's the Yeah, that's the one thing where, you know, great, why is... You know why? Why is this guy's eyes suddenly rolling back in his head? It's because he's going into human computer trance mode, and, right. and actually, it's like, okay, I thought it was rendered decently, but of course, it's not. It's not explained the same way the imperial conditioning, and and you know, how is this? You know, this guy isn't scanning him with futuristic equipment. He's just feeling him with his hands and basically uh, doing things from, from there. Like I, I, I feel like that's the one thing where they could have. I, that's the same problem where how do you do the as you know Bob type of thing or whatever how do you mm-hmm. get that across it's it's it, that is one of the challenges I think for doing this with Dune is that there's so much background and exposition and you know the one thing we don't get is of course you know we don't have uh, we don't see the Emperor we don't see um, we don't see uh, Princess Arulin 
which is interesting considering that Paul makes the comment about, um, you know, gee, um, he makes a comment about basically marrying into uh, mm-hmm. uh, the emperor's house. And that seems like that comes out of nowhere. And, and it's tough if you don't have her in there. And granted, I mean, um, she was kind of ripped out of the Lynch version. Virginia Madsen filmed some things, but uh, uh, we lost a lot of that. That was the one bit the Sci-Fi Channel version put back in. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to do the sequels where she kind of becomes a little more important. But, um, well, uh, they, you know, you, I mean, the, you have an... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you have an Arwen problem with her in a way, which is the, you know, unless you have her at least somewhat present, she is more present in the book. Otherwise, it's the, okay, there's somebody that just shows up in the end and you have no idea why why you should care about that person. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I forgot what I was going to say before. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, no worries. I, I think, oh, I just that um, the second half of the book, I think, is where Fade gets introduced. And he's a much bigger part of the Lynch version, but in this one, uh, and in the book, I think he he just doesn't appear until like the second half when he becomes part of a plot, basically. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, and maybe that's where they're going to introduce more of the Imperial Court and Irulan and uh, the actual Emperor and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, we'll you're see. probably right. I mean, they they gave they gave Raban more. Um more focus here well actually that's closer to the book like you said i mean yeah. and you know he's going to be showing up as the you know regional governor and cracking some heads uh as it were so uh, yeah i mean the lynch version kind of elided him or kind of combined fade with both characters just uh Grisa. i'm curious to well, see where um you know the other thing is that after uh devries dies in the um in the book the fact that um that paul's mentat ends up uh under Harkonnen mm-hmm. uh, rule, and so I'm curious to see whether or not they carry that little bit forward. Um, so yeah, that, that uh, the, the resolution of of the death of um, uh, that that whole poison scene um, was, I think, a little muddled, and I'm curious where they're uh, going with that. Yeah, it was kind of cool, but I, I just thought, you know, we got basically nothing of Piter in this whole thing. Right, like it's. It's interesting. I mean, the Lynch version does a lot more with him, and uh, well, and also look at who is cast for that. I mean, you know, that's somebody that is just perfect for. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's always great to watch on screen, Brad Dourif. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, I thought you meant in this one. I was like, I don't really oh, even no, know no. who this guy is. No, no idea. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like, I, I think on the whole, it's probably the best in some respect of the three versions. Um, although there is a lot from the Lynch version that I miss. I mean, you mentioned Raban. He does show up in the Lynch version, but as I recall, the whole thing about him is Raban's going to be uh, the horrible emperor, a horrible governor, basically. And then Fade comes in and is slightly less horrible, and then they love him because he's not Raban. Uh, right, it's the good cop, bad cop. Yeah, 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 that's that's my recollection of how that works. But... Uh, but yeah, uh, it'll it remains to be seen, I guess, whether they do that with this one. Uh, but it was cool. Like I was, I was very pleased that it was as good as it was. Uh, I think Chalamet is the perfect Paul. Uh, no offense, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, who was the perfect Paul up until now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, now they're they're both great. I'd agree. Well, and uh, and Zendaya, I think, will um, be an improvement on on Sean Young. Um, Probably. Yeah, um, I've I've enjoyed pretty much everything I've seen her in, and, and she <laughs> seems good for the for the bit that she shows up here. So um, she's so uh, teeny though. It's so funny. I, I don't know if it's just because I'm older now, but like I look at them and they're just like little little people. <laughs> Well, I mean, she's got a bigger part in the second. Yeah, uh, second I guess it's anyway. they've got to play teenagers and then like young adults basically. So I guess it makes yeah. sense that they cast these petite actors to do it. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting thought. Um Yeah, I am I'm curious to see how this plays out and we'll see what they do for, you know, Aaliyah is always going to be a, a tricky uh thing to pull off at, um you know, the 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 child with preternatural um uh abilities and Yeah. And, Although Mental power. I've seen some pretty good child prodigies in various things. Like I thought there's a lot I did not like about the Wrinkle in Time movie that they made. But like mm-hmm. uh, 
the Charles Wallace I thought was pretty great. Um, it, probably about as good as you could really expect to get. Yeah, that's um, a good comparison. Yeah. That's a very good comparison, actually. And then Bodhi in the the TV series of Lock and Key I think is pretty good, too. So I, I, ah, I can I, imagine... I, I have not seen that yet. I, I have um, I have the beginning of the comics and haven't uh, read that either. I've had it sitting here, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I it's haven't had a chance great. to watch that. It's or, I don't know why I, it took me so long to like read it, but then you know, yeah. the the show is pretty great too in its own way. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch Why the Last Man either. Um, why? Just kidding. The Last Man. Yeah. <laughs> I've still only seen episode why one. Him? Yeah, but we'll see. I'll probably get back to it. I'm also watching Squid I, Game. I, I, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to. Um, I'm it's, like, I, I don't need another tough going. Battle Royale since uh, slash Hunger Games. I, I just yeah. don't. Um, but, uh, but why, why I'm also curious because of supposedly the things that they address that you know uh, really I think has come more to the forefront of society in the years since the mm-hmm. comic book was written. In particular, um, uh, more of a transgender focus and things along those lines that. Um, I'm curious to see how that stuff plays out um, from bits that I've read for the reviews. Mm-hmm. Yep, a lot of interesting stuff right now. I'm going to have to watch Dune again streaming. I went to the theater to see it. Okay. Yeah, I still have not gone in there. Plus, I probably could have gone, but I was like, it was lazy, it was raining, and I'm like, oh, right, Dune is out. I'm just going to mm-hmm. throw it on TV now. But <laughs> I would love to see it on the big screen, particularly because the cinematography it was gorgeous. And, and the soundtrack... Um, was just um i actually felt was such a big part of it as well it really did it really was great as a as a mood setter and something that i could just picture you having on full surround sound mm-hmm. and just you know immersing yourself in that it um, is worth it for sure um i'm trying not to see too many movies in the theater that are nearly three hours long because my bladder can't take it but <laughs> i survived both this and no time to die I made it through. Well, what you need is a still suit, and then it'll just recycle. I do need one, yeah. I don't know why they don't hand those out at the beginning. Yeah, that should be great advertisement. (laughs) Well, uh, now that you've heard us talk a lot about Dune, it's time to switch gears entirely back to AbFab, uh, the other uh, epic of interstellar intrigue. Um, we, uh, We will save the topic we were going to talk about this time for next time. Uh, and we'll just get into the episode. What do you think? I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. <laughs> Mr. Gandhi, what do you think of Western civilization? I think it would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, on that note, uh, we'll be right back after this little musical break, and we'll watch the episode. All right, it's time to watch episode two of series two of AbFab. Uh, as always, we are going to, uh, I'll count down from three, down to one, then I'll say play, and you hit play. We'll all hit play at the same time and watch it and talk over all the jokes. Jeff, are you ready? And just to make sure this is death. Okay. Uh, if you say so. Okay. I'm just kidding. I, I actually didn't even look. I just clicked on the second one. So. Okay. Well, we'll find out soon. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Are you, are you watching a disco right now? Yes. Okay, good. It We're on the not, same episode. It is not starting out with the usual credits. Cold open. <laughs> I remember where this scene goes. I don't. (laughs) That robe, oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have vocals on my uh, credits anymore. Interesting, so they, they, you're probably getting what I got for the, uh, the first season as well. Maybe. So in between the first and second season DVD. Oh, I love this nurse. This is also kind of an overhead. Mm-hmm. 
I'm looking at Eddie and thinking Emotep. <laughs> Emotep. It's all part of the service. That's King Tutter. <laughs> What's a hysterical reaction? That's it. <laughs> The old woman.
Everybody should see the setup at this yep. point. She's at her Betty Whitus yeah. right now. It's got to be hard to play that as serious as Safi's playing it when... I'm Everybody is laughing. I know. <laughs> the fact that Safi is the most responsible person in the family, not just for her mother, but also for her grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be less weight that way. <laughs> what in the hell? It's like Pete Burns from Dead, no Dead or Alive. One art, please. <laughs> well, Mr. DeBakey's free, but he's a little bit conciliatory at the moment.
That's a lot of TARDISes. <laughs> Here they look like mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it seems more Greek, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Well, it's an old drunk. Who else could it be? <laughs> About to say, we've not seen a lot of Patsy this episode so far. Not so far. Ha <laughs> ha. 
It's not the worst dress. Expats. Sukkishin, Sukkishin. Oh, he's back. Jane Horrocks hasn't got much to do so far. Yeah. It makes me miss Bo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although you could see Mo Gaffney saying those lines. Yeah. She had about a million eye blinks in that. <laughs> 
I've got a story about that. Uh-oh. Spectre Hound moment. Hmm. Keep in storage jars. <laughs> Yay, a bubble. <laughs> Lucky Eddie.
<laughs> Are we still synced up? What's happening for you right now? They've just changed scenes. Oh. Yeah, I think I'm ahead of you. During the scene transitions, I think it goes to black for a few seconds. Oh. For me. It is astonishing how many um, how many episodes have great bits, literally, which is just them trying to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. I do love Bubbles. Um, hat attire <laughs> actually no everything the black fez and the white fur coat oh my god Is it just me or does Gran look like she should be in Men in Black? <laughs> Let me know when you're done. And we're out. All right. We are going to have a little musical break and then come back and talk about this episode. All right. It's time to discuss death, by which I mean this episode of AbFab. Uh, <laughs> I'll go first this time. I, I, I think okay. that... Um, we well, first of all, we discovered while doing uh, this particular episode that uh, the DVD that I've been watching goes through continuously, and it sounds like it pauses a little bit on the Hulu version that you're watching, right? It it looks to me as if you know if you had the ad free version or if you had the ad filled version that that's when they would insert a commercial, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. even for the ad free version, they actually have a little bit of blank time. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that explains it because you were you were definitely like at least a few seconds behind me uh, mm -hmm. on this thing, and I, I'd be like, "Why is he talking about that part now?" And that explains it. So, you know, life isn't perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm slow of mind. It takes me. A while. <laughs> we were, we were all watching the same episode, and that's what matters. Um, this one was pretty great. I mean, I felt like some of the parts were a little repetitive, um, but the thing that I really love about it is. Um, Grand's reaction to the whole thing where she's just fully pragmatic about all of it and she's she's just adjusted to it like I mean you almost get the sense that maybe she's as sort of heedless as her as her daughter but I don't think so like I, I think that the take I get is that she is just uh you know so take it as it comes with life in general uh that she's you know just going about her day yeah, it's not a stiff upper lip type of thing. Like, you don't feel like that there's a bunch of stuff floating beneath the surface on there. That um, it, it, And it's interesting because I think if she had felt, if Gran had, if we had seen that she was really kind of grieving so much underneath the way that Safi was, then I, I actually think that um, Eddie would have come across as much crueler overall. But the mm -hmm. fact that that Gran is kind of dealing with it and that Safi is oddly enough in some ways the, the odd person out. Yep. Um, 
it it it, it actually softens uh, some of Eddie's uh, Eddie's stuff. Like it, it, I was sitting there throughout the episode and thinking just how easily this would be that this would play very very um, harshly. Yeah, and 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 Gran is the Gran is the fulcrum in between the two of them, and 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 the one who was most directly affected by it because of the fact that it's her husband, um, right? Uh, you know, um, which is what's so fascinating about it. You could say on one hand that she's kind of, you know, um, daft or, or innocent or whatever, and that's not it either. Um, it's, yep. it's a very fascinating take on the. And in some ways, I feel like um, this really kind of nails the essence of her character and why that character is so is so different Mm -hmm. um yeah i really i really enjoyed that aspect of it that that i think was what really made it for me um i i also like the revelation that (laughs) that adina's been a holy terror her entire life and you know her parents just tried to stay out of the the blast radius uh as much as possible uh and that they couldn't control her, but Safi is the only one who can. Well, the, the interesting thing is, you know, do you think that Gran is terrified of her? I don't think she's terrified of her. She's no. just, she just kind of coped. Yeah, she just tries to stay out of her way because it's more pleasant that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, out of her way or just not affecting her. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing in its own regard. And, and, you know, what that says about potentially their... Uh, their, their relationship it's almost like you can picture Eddie trying to get a rise out of her um, oh, and trying yeah. to get attention and and that she's not uh, Grant isn't ignoring her but nor is she is she giving in and caving to her stuff mm-hmm. uh, e- either and and you know it's almost like the the ability to act um, I don't want to say clueless I don't want to say naive or whatever but like you know not affecting in that in that way um, that's that that's interesting because that does defang Eddie in in her own mm-hmm. way, whereas as opposed to just running roughshod over uh, over everybody, and that's a fascinating way to uh, to play this, you know. And as opposed to Safi, that has you know a very different reaction. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's funny to realize just how much Gran makes makes this. I, I don't think that balance wise this would work without it. And we've certainly seen enough episodes where it's just Safi versus Eddie and at some point where it just goes on it gets a little bit too much on the uncomfortable side. And I, I think that this is uh, this shows very well where the um uh needing that third person for balance and that's just fascinating. I don't think I'd really put that together until now. Yeah. Um I I love <laughs> as you know, I love the nurse from the the beginning of this one. Uh, I was so glad that she recurred in, in various other roles. I just love the way that she uh, deals with Adina and <laughs> gives her back as much as she gets. Really enjoy that yeah, character. Um, very much so. Mm-hmm. And of course and we the, see... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and then the, the bow surrogate as it... Uh, yeah, I was just coming to that. <laughs> as it is, yeah. Um, she was interesting. It's interesting that you know, I wonder if just Mogafney wasn't available or whatever since, or, or they just liked the bow character so much that she came back in later seasons, whereas this particular um, actress and, and character didn't. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, yeah, I do love the fact that, that she's all great and perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, it's a body. <laughs> and, 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 and the bit I was going to say that that reminded me of is, um, you know, uh, having grown up Jewish where you don't do open casket stuff uh, mm-hmm. at all and in fact you know even the the high priests are not supposed to be around a dead body and and things along those lines like if, if you're if you're from uh, kohanim and and uh like there's a story of I, I know somebody actually kind of running from somebody had dropped dropped in the synagogue and and a bunch of them uh, or a couple of them then actually kind of fleed because they weren't supposed to be around a dead body essentially and, and i don't remember the whole story but i was i was very young but um but it's certainly the case that i i think of when my next door neighbor when I was a kid, um, when he died, um, and his, his wife, um, they're, my, my parents and their parents, uh, my, my parents and them were very close. And so when he died, you know, um, I, I was in college, I think I, I didn't make it to the funeral, but, um, you know, my parents went with it. And, and so the, the wife was there and, and she was consoling and they were, um, they were, uh, Roman Catholic and, so they, they had an open casket. I think that was the first time my parents were ever at an open casket um, ceremony. And, and when Joni was grieving, and she basically was like, you know, he looks so lifelike, and grabbed my mom's hand and had her touch 
Oh God! The body, you know, mom completely unprepared for it, or, or not expecting it. It all happened so quickly, and like mom just completely freaked, and and um, so I was just struck by that when just you know when they they see the open casket sitting right there, and 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 not to mention her freaking when finding out when there was a body there, and because um, mm-hmm. you know um, I could think of people for whom that was totally normal, and and um, certainly I can picture in. You know, in in my life, seeing that with a with a, a loved one, and I think I'd been adjusted by that point, so it actually wasn't such a big uh, big deal. But um, well, it was a big deal. But I mean, um, uh, you know, it's certainly not something that I'd grown up with. And um, yeah, I've grown up with it. And it's still disconcerting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. It is a pretty great bit, actually, when they're they're walking around the room looking at the art, and then. Suddenly, there's the coffin. <laughs> it's it's an Inspector Hound like moment. That's a, yeah, that's what I said. It's like uh, it, it's yeah. very much like uh, yep. discovering the body in Inspector Hound. That's um, right. You, you did say that. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I don't know why that did connect with me until now? It's a good moment. Like I feel like, you know, again there is some repetition. Um, I feel like the um, the conversation they have about getting the house, I think, is is kind of. Um, interesting because clearly you know patsy's being manipulative but then adina's manipulative right back and they they each know what the other is doing and mm-hmm. you know it's it's gross but it also is somehow evenly matched and that makes it okay it, well it's also you know that the the ending the fact that both of them fall in the graves <laughs> and you know God. Uh, you know it's it's interesting that we've had you know don't don't leave me any type of thing like it's it's like it's almost like you feel like that there should be a suicide pact between the two of them, except of course one would die and the other one would still want to live anyway. But, um, yeah. but, but they how should much Thelma we and get, Louise it. Well, how much we get of like, you know, we have a couple of flash forwards later in the series to see them when they're, when they're older. And the basic idea that, you know, they're, they're going to be there together through the very end is just, um, you know, um, it, it, it feels fitting that they, they both fall in the grave, uh, uh, for each other it's it's kind of mm-hmm. the perfect ending to that i never thought about it that way that's that's uh really interesting yeah um so, yeah i actually have i actually had a thought um in, in a different uh show like i i had an idea for the final south park story ever which is i think that it should be a uh, a flash forward to like when they're 90 and it turns out when they were kids that they had like a they made a suicide pact or whatever and now they're all just like in the the old age home together and they're and they're contemplating this. And like, I think at the very end that they should all die except Kenny who comes back <laughs> to life. And, and like the, the, it basically, you know, they're all, um, I have this idea for this final scene where, you know, um, Cartman is saying, screw you guys, I'm being called home or whatever. And, and, uh, and find a shot of like, you know, Kenny mooning St. Peter and basically getting kicked out of heaven. And so you have like the four of them lying next to each other in a hospital bed, like flatlining. And all of a sudden Kenny's, Kenny starts, um, uh, the machine starts beeping and he just slowly gets up and sees the rest of them are, are lying there and he just goes, woohoo! And that should be the end of the series. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, morbid, but uh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thinking about death of uh, death of favorite characters. I'm trying to think what other shows in terms of like, you know, um, famous deaths. It's Wolfgang and Medea's Mozart. Um, well, Blake Seven. You know, I, well, yeah, I was just about to say or Blake Seven, which is a very different ending, but also uh, felt very appropriate. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, the different. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting the body being a. That's uh, the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's true. Um, that was a phenomenal show, and having experienced things in real life that I, I hadn't at that point or whatever, mm-hmm. seeing how much that plays, you know, how well that that plays out something that i only could have suspected beforehand um yeah it's absolutely true um you know whereas this is played completely for laughs yes pretty much um I, i'm uh there's a coupling episode that plays out uh, regarding a funeral uh which if you haven't seen i won't spoil either which is uh um interesting in its own regards from the different reactions one can have to funerals and that's all mm-hmm. i'll say um it, it I also think of the bit that we don't see in in Clerks, where um, you know they actually go to a funeral and, and they actually had a scene I think that they considered for it, but um, 
they never shot and you just hear the aftermath of it where basically they ended up tipping the coffin over and um, <laughs> I forgot about that yeah. um one other thing I wanted to, to comment on in this episode I really enjoy Grand doing the quiz related to Margaret Thatcher <laughs> <laughs> it did seem like a long time <laughs> <laughs> and how long that joke keeps running in the I know. background or, or running as a part of it. It's <laughs> it's interesting when you're having like a big argument and stuff like that, that you can have that to break the tension up. Um, yep. Yep. And that's, yeah, that is utterly brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, that and, and, you know, the big ass magnifying glass that like you first see her <laughs> yes. face. Oh God. So good. I wonder, I wonder what they, like what the deal was with the cold open. They just had this random joke that they wanted to do and just threw it in at the beginning of this episode. Or maybe it was running short or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, it is the excuse for why Pat ends up at the hospital. Oh, that's true. Be- right. Uh, she, You see her swig the pills right before uh, it goes mm-hmm. to the opening credits. And then you find out that, you know, that was the excuse. And, and uh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, that that's kind of a flimsy thing. But I, I, I also like the idea that they had a cold opening for the first time. Um mm-hmm. We'll have to see if they uh, do know, more of those. It is interesting. The very first shot after the cold open, where you know uh, where Eddie's getting treated, it's not an overhead shot, but it's also if it's a somewhat from above shot that they kind of continue a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I, I don't know what it is about that that just uh, is a uh, such a an agreeable way to begin the episode. I mm-hmm. love that we start up there. You know, and it's interesting if you want to contrast it with, you know, the bit where they shoot around the coffin so we don't see the coffin until mm-hmm. until they notice it type of thing. Which is funny because, you know, if they're filming that in front of an audience, then um, then the audience would see that from the beginning. But, oh, um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, it is brilliant, though. Like, I, I completely forgot it was going to be there until it's in the shot. Yeah, no, I, I, I remembered, but I'm like, I'm waiting for it, waiting for it. It's, it's um, just really, really well done. I forgot about the scene where she just ends up in the art gallery and that whole little, little <laughs> subplot. God, that's so dumb. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, that was Death. We will be moving on, of course, to episode three in our next uh, our next episode. If you, is uh, Morocco. Morocco. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, it will. As always, if you'd like to communicate with us, the best way is to go to Twitter Uh and then at Starship Warlock, no podcast in the middle. Uh, you can also follow us for occasional announcements of new episodes. Um, I don't think I've ever really mentioned that before, but that is the other thing that's for. It's not I just a weird that. communication device. What'd you say? I said, I didn't know that. <laughs> Did you know, Jeff, that Twitter can also be used to announce things? That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that is where you can find us. Um, and you can also just subscribe to this and then you'll get the episodes when they're ready. Okay. They're going to be ready. Just hang on. All right. Okay. I'm getting very impatient. I mean, <laughs> I need it now, 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 sweetie. Uh, nobody needs this that urgently, but it's still going to keep coming regardless. Uh, so until next time, this has been Drew. This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.